We've got a special guest for you today. James Westbrook is here from Realm Church in Oakland, and I am so excited to welcome him to our platform. He spoke a couple of summers ago in one of our series, did an amazing job. Him and his wife, Desiree, planted a church in the Temescal region a couple years back. He'll tell you a little bit about his background, but man, one of the ways that my family and I got through the COVID season is finding ways to get connected with people who believe what we believe, who love what we love, and are doing what we do. And so uh, James and I started a group a couple years ago, me and James and Eric Yada from Japanese Christian Church in San Lorenzo, Jeff Miller from Redwood, and Jeff Bruce from down at Creekside in San Leandro. We just said, let's start meeting together and survive life together. And so it's been amazing uh, as part of the community inflow outflow of our lives uh, to be able to hang and just spend life, pray for one another regularly, hang out, have dinner with our families. And so uh, James is a good friend of mine, helped me survive COVID-19. So I give you credit for that, James, and uh, is an amazing, talented teacher of the scriptures. And so you are in for a treat today as we open to Ephesians 6 in a moment. But before we do that, speaking of needing others in our lives, we're going to invite you to stand, meet somebody today, say hi to someone, wave, fist bump, don't Greet with a holy kiss, but do all the other things that Christians do. Stand, take a minute, say hi to some folks, then we'll dive into God's word together. Okay, I was afraid that you would hear me singing, and you don't want to hear that. Okay, so we're back on. How y'all doing this morning? Praise, Praise the Lord. Man, I'm so glad to be here this morning. Uh, I think the world of Three Crosses, one of our partnering churches, uh, been a fan of uh, Three Crosses. I get the office out there for free uh, up in your lobby area there. I love it. Um, love the strangers, love uh, their family. They've been good uh, friends to us uh, for the several years that we've been here move, moving back to the Bay. So, so grateful for that. I'm also grateful for this thing y'all got coming up. Y- y'all don't know how good you got it. That, that whole um, ice skating rink. Yeah, let me tell you a quick story. My wife is from California, okay? I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. We don't do too much on the ice, okay? And so uh, when she came, she said, James, I, wanted, I want you to take me one of our first dates 25 years ago. She said, I want to take you to ice skating. I said, okay, well, we'll see what happens. Got on the skating rink, and um, I said, Desiree, I'm doing it, you know, and I'm walking like this. She's like, she's like, I don't know if you're doing it really, but good job, James, okay? I'm here to tell you that God can do a lot of stuff in your life, and I'm a better ice skater now, so that's the message right there. That's not the message. <laughs> yeah, talk about spiritual battle, right? 
All right. Well, I'll be out there, and so um, so looking forward to that. All right. Well, you guys have been going through a very important series. I've been watching online. I've been so encouraged by the preaching and by this message. I love the book of Ephesians. And, uh, and as Paul is going to be closing the book, and as he's closing everything he's talked about, think about everything that he's talked about. Think about the summary that, that, uh, that Danny just gave us. And Paul is going to say that, listen, I'm going to stop and close this section with a now what. And in light of all of the things that I've been talking about in this book, you need to understand something very important about this life. And that is the fact that you are engaged in spiritual battle. Paul wants us to know that because if you're going to talk about um, things like the manifold wisdom of God being made known to an onlooking universe, you need to understand that that does not happen without battle. And the, and the ideal here is that when God says that I'm setting up the bouquet of flowers, look at what I can do through my power in bringing people together that would not ordinarily come together under the banner of Christ. Look at what I'm able to do. And he's putting, he's bragging, he's putting it out there for the universe to see. Now, we know that that doesn't happen without some battle because we always agree with one another, right? We, we agree. We have the same politics. We got the same ideas and everything, don't we? Uh, no, no. We learned early on in the book of Acts chapter 6 that ethnic tensions were staring up because we did things differently and we acted differently. Paul wants us to be on guard and Paul wants us to understand that these things that the Lord has made available to us, Ephesians chapter 1, and lavishing his grace upon us, he lavishes his mercy upon us. We are undeserving of it. It did not happen without spiritual grit, and it didn't happen apart from spiritual battle. Christ is going to tell his church, as he is mobilizing his church forward, that you are going to experience some battles in your life. And I don't know if this is you. I don't know if you have been in the same world that I've been in for the last two years, but I can tell you right now that there has been some intense battles, more than I can say for any other period in my entire life. There's been some battles that I've been in, engaged in, and it's like, Lord, this thing is not letting up, and there seems to be this warfare hidden against me, and the wave after wave after wave, and it's not letting up. Lord, help me now. And so Paul is going to give us some things that we need. He's going to say that, listen, now is time to turn your attention to the war before you, because it's a war. And picture the guy, your favorite uh, war film, the one where you see that, 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 wow, look at the war here, and not that you're celebrating it, but you're sober by the realities of war and the horrors of war. Think about that film and picture the person walking through the film without war, or walking through the battlefield, walking through the ruin without armor on, without anything offensively, and he's walking clueless, walking around, you can picture the, the, the soldier saying, what, what are you doing? You're on a battlefield. And the person in all their confusion, I don't know what the bullets are coming toward. What's happening here? So confused. Paul is saying that, listen, I don't want you to be deceived about what's happening in the world. What's happening all around you all the time. And so as the church is moving forward, there's two simple points that we're going to make this, this morning. One, the heavenly battles in our lives are spiritual in nature. That's what Paul wants us to know. The heavenly battles, as, as God is bringing all things in unity, in heaven, on earth, together in Christ, that those heavenly battles, those are battles that are spiritual in nature, not physical. Very important for us to understand that this morning. And then secondly, the battles in our lives can only be won with heavenly solutions. They can only be 
one with heavenly solutions. Let's go ahead and get started with that first point. The heavenly battles in our lives are spiritual in nature. Paul is going to say, he's going to open up this section, and he's going to say it twice, but the first time he says it, he's going to say, listen, put on the full armor of God. I want you to put on the full armor of God, and notice two things here. I want you to notice a couple of things. One, he says, put the full armor, which means he's saying there in the language, don't leave any part of your body unprotected. Don't leave any part of your life unprotected because you have an enemy that's always trying to bring about defeat and bring about discouragement and despair in your life as God is mobilizing his church with his gifts in order to bring about the maturation of the saints and bring about and uh, and, and carry on with the mission of the kingdom. He says, uh, cover every part of your body. But there's another part here in the language. I don't care if you, uh, you, um, you know, remember the rule here, but it's important. Remember the point. This is what you call a genitive in the language. It says, of God. It's full armor of God, which means that it doesn't belong to you, and it's not something that you or I can produce. It's of God, which means that it's only something that God can provide you while you are in this earth, and while you are on this earth, while God is doing what he dispatched the church to do or dispatched through the work of Christ. He says, listen, this is going to be armor of God. I want to pause right there for a second, because it's very important that as we are engaging in spiritual battle, and we'll talk more about what that is, but as we are engaging in battle, it's very important because I think that in times of difficulty, especially over the last two years, it's been very easy to put on the wrong armor and fight in the wrong war. It's very easy to put on the wrong armor. And I, I got to tell you that over and over again, I've been pastoring for the last 15 years. And as I'm watching and as I'm uh, pastoring and as I'm engaging with people, the temptation is that, listen, pastor, you don't understand uh, what I'm feeling and what I've been through. And what we begin to do is we begin to protect ourselves with physical armor in order that we may not experience the stuff that we fear that brings about anxiety in our life and that we don't want to face. Which means that, listen, I don't want to be near people because people hurt me. I don't like to be with people because I can't trust people. I don't know how to be in a good relationship. And listen, over the last couple of years, it's done more to harm relationships because we've been more isolated, haven't we? And, listen, and so it's harder to even engage in relationship because our rhythms have been broken up and our rhythms have said that, listen, it's okay to be a little bit more reserved and a little bit more isolated. So we begin to put on different types of armor in order to address spiritual problems. Paul is going to say, listen, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It actually leads you more inward and it's actually more harmful for us to result to physical things of our own doing. We're talking about armor belonging to God for spiritual realities, Paul is going to say, hey, put on the full armor of God. And, and what, for what purpose? For what, why does Paul say this to us? Why does he say it to the church? Why is he saying this if in light of this full series, this beautiful series that you've been going through? Listen, in light of everything that God has been uh, uh, given us through Paul, through this letter, he says, listen, I want you to do this that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That's why I want you, amen, that you may stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, let me break that down here. This is two words here, stand and schemes. 
This word stand there is very important because it, if you stand the wrong type of way, you will fall into defeat over and over and over again. My father was an Olympic trial boxer and he was a multi-golden uh, glove boxer. So we grew up boxing, we grew up being very physical, I wrestled for four years, martial arts, and also I was private security and campus police officer. Okay, that's a little bit of my resume for this conversation. All right, I'm a little qualified for this, just a little bit. The word there in the Greek it's not just a, a, a random type of stand. It's a stand with an intent to oppose. That's the type of stand he's talking about. So I'm going to give you something that you don't have to pay for. He says, listen, listen, when you are in battle, you don't just stand like this because you can easily be pushed over. This is going to be worth the money here. Listen, if you want to learn how to do an, an opposing stand, shoulder width, step back. Right? Because it allows you to stand at the ready. It allows you to be prepared for whatever the devil may throw your way, and he is busy and he does not sleep. But praise the Lord that we have a God who never sleeps nor slumbers as well, and God gives us, uh, God gives us this armor. And listen, he says that, listen, I want you to stand up. Uh, ready to oppose, and get that in our minds as well. Because what we sometimes do is we take Christianity and we convert it to whatever we want, and we say, see, that's the excuse for me to go on Twitter and Facebook and start ripping everybody up and saying that, listen, God don't want... Well, hold on now. Wait, 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 wait. This stance is not so you can have your soapbox. This stance is that you may be able to oppose whatever comes your way because you got a lot of stuff coming your way. Right? So he says, stand. Secondly, he says that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The word there for scheme is the word methodea. Methodea. That sound familiar? Methods. That's right. For the, me the, the devil, essentially what Paul is saying is that the, that the devil and the spiritual realities have these methods that, that they are getting after it in our lives. And they have all different types of methods that they want to use in order to bring about the despair of the church or to undo what God has said in our lives and for the mission of the church. Just stand ready to oppose, recognizing that you've got a busy enemy all around you, and he has all these methods. Satan and the spiritual forces, they know that there are certain things that won't work with James Westbrook, okay? All right, I don't have a, you, you can set a, a, a plate of broccoli before my face all day long. I'm like, I'm good, I don't need that, thank you. <laughs> Only when my wife is there, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great, babe, thank you. <laughs> He knows you, he's studying you, and this is not to give you fear, it's that you may be prepared and that you may have what God gives you in order for you to be aware and be able to stand and ready to oppose. Paul says, listen, I want you to have this information. Why do you want us to have this information, Paul? That you may stand, ready to oppose, being ready for all the methods that the enemy has to come against you and come against your life, come against your marriage, come against your parenting, come against wherever you may find yourself as single, wherever you may find yourself in life. He says, be ready and be prepared for that because it is a battle. Why, Paul? I want you to be able to identify the true problem in our life. I want you to be able to identify the true enemy in our life. And this may be a shock to some of us, but listen, that true enemy is not an elephant. That true enemy is not a donkey. Some of y'all get that when you get home. All right? Listen, that true enemy is not CNN. That true enemy is not Fox. Listen, that true enemy is what? Paul says here, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. 
We make people an enemy and we centralize, we center all of our energy towards this thing or towards that person and we forget that God has said that you are fighting a spiritual war. In the spiritual war, this is the beauty of it, as we declared in the song, that the war is already won, but how do you win battles making up the war? The war is already done. Christ already, he said it's finished. It's, it's secured. You're good to go. But how do we walk in victory, in joy, as we are moving along, waiting for the full consummation of the kingdom? He says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. What do we wrestle against then, Paul? We wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, let me tell you this. The great temples of the world and of the West will tell you temples being in the form of our universities, of our uh, uh, um, academia. They would tell you that there is nothing that can be observed or nothing that exists that can't be observed under a telescope, under a microscope, excuse me. It says if, if it can't be observed, then it doesn't exist. They believe what we call a closed universe, and we know better than that. There are things that doctors, there are things that scientists will never be able to explain because we exist in the world with spiritual realities all around us, and Paul knows that. Paul knows it, and I encourage you to know that too. Paul wants to remind us of this fact because it is in fact true. Listen, it's not just this closed system we're talking about a system that exists in this world, a part of our existence that's unseen, but is true. What, what can we conclude about that? Listen, a couple of things that I want you to, uh, to take with you to con- for this conclusion. He says, listen, they are plural. The spiritual realities, they are plural. So we're not talking about just Satan. We're talking about spiritual realities. One. Two, they have great authority and methodology in pursuing people in the world. Be aware of that. Three, they engage humans with fierce attempts to defeat us through what's described as a wrestle match. I know I'm from St. Louis. Wrestle, you get what I'm saying here. <laughs> Lastly, he says that, and they shape much of the evil we see in this world by manifesting their cosmic powers over the present darkness as spiritual forces of evil. Translation, you don't get a Hitler without the reality of these evil forces at work. You, you, you don't get the evil that we even see in the local Bay Area. A child, I'm lamenting with the family, as I'm sure you are, with the baby that was shot on the highway. These are things that we see every day, the evil in this world. It doesn't happen apart from the spiritual evil in this world at work, trying to destroy God's creation and trying to cause God's people to say, did God really say? Can we be real this morning? Okay, all right. This is what the reality, or this is the reality that we're facing. And Paul is saying that, listen, there are, resp- there are reasons why you're facing it. it. We're in the middle of a battle. Why is this so hard? Why is this so hard for us to remember this, engage in this? Why? When we get in front of a battle and we're in, in, uh, experiencing it, whether that is translated through a constant season of battling and warring with our spouse, our friend, things that's pertaining to our singleness, things that's the, the conversations we have in the quiet moments or the dark moments of our life where no one else is around. Why is it so difficult for us to be reminded of the fact or to remember that this is not a physical war but a spiritual war? I think that it's because of something that, uh, several things, but something that I think I find helpful here. There was an experiment that was, um, uh, that was conducted several years ago, and what they found was that this that um, the experiments show that chronic stress 
It biases human decision-making towards habits rather than goals. Towards habits rather than goals. Well, what does that mean? It means that when we are experiencing in the moment conflict and stress and strain and when we're facing darkness, those periods in life where we're in conflict, we're more tempted to default to our habits as opposed to understanding and realizing that there's a bigger goal to this thing. That's fight or flight. It says that this is probably one of the greatest periods in Christianity in America where we have found ourselves in fight or flight over and over and over and over again. And I can tell you one of the contributing factors is probably this thing right here. Having access to the world, things always covering us and causing anxiety over and over again. And we default to habits. And these habits are not necessarily godly habits. There's a bigger picture that Paul is trying to get us to Don't forget the overall picture here. I want to ask you this question here. As we're realizing that the heavenly battles in our lives, listen, they can, uh, excuse me, the heavenly battles in our lives, that they are not won, that they're not won through these physical means, and that they are, in fact, spiritual in nature. Here's the question I want to ask you. Do you see the battles in your life as spiritual? Do you recognize it as a spiritual reality, one? And two, I want you to think about this as well. What are those areas in your life where you're experiencing the most spiritual battle right now? What, what's happening? Because don't forget that he's wanting us to, Paul is wanting us to stand firm for those things that oppose us because you have something, you have people, you have these spiritual beings that wants to oppose what God has said and what God is doing. He wants to oppose it in your marriage, in your singleness, in your life, as children to their parents, as parents to their children, in every area of life, he wants to oppose what God has said. What areas in your life are you struggling in the most where those are spiritual battles? Think about that. And then we can actually turn to what the Lord, what the invitation is for us from the Lord. The question is now, or the statement here is now, the heavenly battles in our lives can only be one with heavenly solutions. They can only be one with heavenly solutions, whatever that thing was that you just thought about. Whatever that battle, wherever it's been centered in the, the ammunition has been centered most on in your life, whatever that is, it cannot be one with physical means, with physical offense, with heavenly solutions and heavenly solutions only. Here, Paul is, I want you to picture this with me. Paul is sitting in a prison cell on house arrest, rather. He's on house arrest, and he's been surrounded by Roman guards. And as he's been surrounded by Roman guards through the inspiration of the Spirit, Paul looks out the window and says that, yes, that's the picture right there. That's the picture right there. That's what it means to be prepared. And he sees this soldier at the ready. Now, let me tell you this right here. This is not the time to think about Halloween. We just had a Halloween. We had a lot of soldiers and a lot of, uh, a lot of costumes. We're not talking about Halloween. We're not talking about a pretty little belt, some pretty shoes, a little paper helm, um, uh, shield. We're talking about wartime. 
That's the picture that we have from Paul. Wartime. And Paul is going to begin to use this language to help us to understand how we can stand at the ready when things come against us in our lives spiritually and how we stand. Listen, he says it again, verse 13. He says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. The picture that this gives us the picture this gives us is that it doesn't necessarily happen every single day. But he's saying that I want you to be ready for whenever that day comes. Whenever the day comes in our season and however often they come, I want you to be ready. How are we ready? Let me give you a couple of words and I'm going to out, get out your way here. One, he says that, listen, I want you to have a fasten on the belt of truth. Fasten on the belt of truth. When you are facing the darkness in this life, and when you are facing opposition to your faith, and it's causing you to doubt, or it's causing you to wonder, why am I still in this, in this relationship? Why am I still in this thing? Why, maybe I should just give up. It's the truth of God that's going to help you to stand firm in that experience. It's the truth. Truth sets us free, not more lies and not believing more lies. And that's what we're tempted most while we are tempted and while we're thinking about the grass is greener on the other side than what God has called you to, we're tempted to believe um, lies that the enemy whispers in our ears. He says, no, you, you need more truth. Right now, we are going through a series called Deconstruction, and we believe that, listen, there are, there's healthy deconstruction where we have to remove the layers of things that's been taught about Jesus that's not true, but also there's toxic deconstruction where the enemy wants you to dismantle things that the Bible says and that the scriptures have given us as truth that Jesus gives us. There's toxic deconstruction. And right now, more than ever, right now, you have people wanting to withdraw from the church and withdraw from God and what he has said over and over again. We need truth and stand firm in truth. And I say that run to the truth. Don't ignore the hard conversations. Run to it and you will find that there is living water for you, for your life, and for your situation. Over and over again, I'm talking to people over and over again that went to doubt. Listen, we don't just sweep doubt up under the rug. We can talk about it, but I guarantee you that the truth, it has teeth, is ready. I don't have to defend it, and it's ready to give you some hope in this world. He says truth. Secondly, he says righteousness. This is a beautiful picture that we have. He says, stand therefore. Stand, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let me remind you again, you're not just standing there. You're standing at the ready, and you're standing knowing that there's going to be something that wants to attack what God is giving you. And righteousness, it's this shield. I mean, it's this uh, breastplate. The picture here that it protects all of the vitals, the most important parts of your body, and righteousness is one of the center, or if not the center doctrine of the gospel, which means that, listen, there's going to be times when you are facing spiritual battle where you're going to doubt what God has done, and you're going to doubt your salvation, or you're going to doubt that, surely God can't love somebody like me. Righteousness tells us and assures us of the work that God has done and completed in Christ, which means that Christianity is not spelled D-O, it's spelled D-O-N-E. It's done. And it, which means that you have been declared righteous on the work of another, not the work of your own. And when you are experiencing great, intense battle, and maybe you fall, but God is there to pick you back up in the hope of what he has done, and you don't have to secure that yourself. Praise the Lord. Righteousness 
Let it protect all of that. The next thing he says here is that there needs to be this, he, this readiness is a part of this uniform as well. Readiness. He says that it's the shoes for your feet. Having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. There is this peace that God gives you in the gospel. It's the yes and amens of the Lord. That I got you no matter how dark you may feel that you are in a period of. Or no matter how low you feel that you have fallen. When you believe upon the name of the Lord and the work upon Christ. God has got you. And he's got some peace for you. The Bible says that the scripture tells us that God will give you a peace that doesn't make sense. That's a peace that surpasses understanding. It's not supposed to make sense because God can give you peace in the midst of whatever you're facing in this life. I hope you have some, some hope this morning. Somebody came to, to, to me at our church and said that, Pastor, I'm so thankful to be at a church where a pastor, the pastor is not uh, been thinking about leaving his call. And, and, and even though we may think about leaving, you're not. I'm like, yeah, thank you. I praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. No, 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 no. We face the same things. We see the same void, the same darkness. And the Lord, we say, Lord, hold me by the right hand and lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. It says that God gives us this. It says faith. Faith. Listen, I love what faith does. He says that this faith in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Once again, you have this picture of the enemy and of our, of our spiritual enemies shooting at us these fiery darts. And he says that faith is this shield. The picture of a Roman shield is that it takes about two feet. You can hide behind that bad boy and that makes sure that you won't be hit by any of the flames. What are those darts? God hasn't said for real. You don't have to stay in that thing. You can give up. Do something that you can enjoy it. You, you have to give up so much. Give yourself some relief and enjoy. These are all of the darts that the enemy uses against us. But the Lord says that, listen, we stand firm as God is accomplishing his work through the church, hiding behind his faith and say that, Lord, you got me. I don't have to do any. I don't got to conjure, conjure up anything. It may not look pretty. It may not look fancy. We were talking about that with Giannis when he plays. You know, somebody says that, listen, it don't look pretty all the time. It don't look like Allen Iverson or, or Michael Jordan. I'm like, that's all right. He gets to the best game. He gets it done. Now, um, so somebody said, why are you talking about that when we got the Warriors? I, I, I get it. <laughs> it doesn't work quite because Steph looks pretty when he does it. All right. <laughs> it doesn't have to look pretty. All I have to do is stand and trust in the Lord and what he does. He says, then, this, and you have the salvation. I love this picture right here. Why? He says, salvation. He says, take the helmet of salvation. It's the picture of it being in your head or on top of your head where most of the anxiety in our life resides in our head. You can't turn the thoughts off. Lord, help me. I keep thinking about this over and over again. What's going to happen? What about this thing? And what about that? And what about what happened here? Anxiety fills our life. And the Lord says, once again, cast your cares upon me because he does, in fact, care. Your anxieties, that salvation, remembering that the Lord has not left you. The Lord is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Let it give you some peace. Let it give you some hope in this world. And then finally, he says that, listen, I'm giving you this word, the only offensive thing that we have in the armor of God. 
So I want you to also think about that once again before we go to Twitter and start ripping everybody up and going to Facebook and thinking that our biggest enemy is the at score under and then 543, whoever that person is, whoever he is, you know who they are. Whoever that person is, it could be your cousin is always talking out the left pocket, whatever, he, whatever it is. Remember that most of the weapons to stand firm in spiritual battle, they are defensive. But God does give something and that's offensive. That's the word of God and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He gives us something that we can continue to go back to for hope for our relationships, hope for our marriage, hope for the hope that we need in this life when we are facing darkness. And that's the word of God. I love that song. Lord, you have not failed me yet. He has never failed us. But as I close right now, and as the musicians are making their way back up now, as I close here. He says, listen, this is also a part of it. And, and just like the tip of a, of, a, of a mountain, I like to think of it like this, that, that everything kind of leads up to this armor and this battle as he's talked about these very important themes throughout the book. And he says that, listen, but do not underestimate the power of prayer. He says, finally, pray. Praying at, at some time? No, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Paul says that, listen, pray at all times because you're going to need that prayer and you're going to need to go before the Lord and you're going to need to stay before his face as you are living in this world and experiencing all types of opposition to you. And I can say that, Lord, that is so true. Lord, I need some help. Lord, I'm just lifting my hand up for some help right now, God. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the strength. This is armor that you can provide. So when I am doubting, Lord, I need some faith. When I don't have peace, Lord, Lord, I need the shoes. Lord, Lord, help me with this armor that you say that you will give to me. And sometimes, listen, we need to hear this. We need to hear permission to, to do this. We don't always have to listen and think about prayer as discipline, this puritanist discipline. It is a discipline, but you don't have to always... Sometimes, especially in periods like this, I need to listen and look at prayer like desperation. Lord, I am desperate for you right now. I feel so weak right now. And maybe that's been true for you. Paul ends this section with prayer. Why is he ending it with prayer? Because he anticipates that God's people, that the church are going to need prayer. And he says, pray for one another. Your neighbor, the person next to you, your, your pastors, fellow believers, we need to pray for one another, especially during this period when we feel more isolated. And some of us are even facing spiritual darkness and depression in our lives. We need God to do what only God can do. And if you found yourself like that in this season of life, the beautiful thing about it, you guys have a beautiful prayer room. I want to encourage you to go there at the end and receive some prayer from the prayer warriors in that prayer room and pray for one another and pray more now than ever. And prayer can simply look like this. God, help me. Lord, help me. And so I want to pray for you right now and do just that as we're facing these spiritual battles in this life knowing that God has us, and knowing that we have a great God that would never leave us nor forsake us. Let's pray. Father, 
we're so thankful that you did not leave us, Lord. Lord, you did not leave us, God, but no, you are forever with us, Lord. And we think about the psalmist that says, Lord, how long, God, would it be before you turn your face to us? And at the end of the psalm, he says that, Lord, you will never forsake me. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. Lord, you love us, God. And and I just pray right now, Lord, as we're going back home, as we're going back to our regular routines, God, that you will break the habits that we default to, and that, Lord, that you would do something that only you can do and open our eyes that we may see spiritually, Lord, that we may see and, and, and shed the light on what the enemy has been doing, God, that, Lord, that we may see some walk from this place in, with some hope, God, that... That, that yes, I, I see what the enemy has been doing and he's robbed so much from me, but I'm here to take it back. Lord, you have so much more for me. Lord, I pray that we see what the war really is and that how, Lord, you have some great hope for us this morning in Christ in the work that he has done. We pray all of this in the name of Christ. Amen.